0: This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson.
2: Alright, so hopefully um, you guys will be coming in. I'm Zach Jackson. We are in m Bank Stadium where it's not raining. Uh, anyway, it's about three hours. If you're coming here to join us, um, we appreciate it. If you follow, if you subscribe, uh, if you listen regularly, we appreciate it. So, this is the live room on The Athletic. Uh, we've been doing this as this, this version of the uh, Civilized Barking podcast. So we appreciate you joining us. Chat along. Um, you can chime in for a question. I see there's only a handful of you in there. We hope there's more. But anyway, I'm just buying a little time right now. So, Jason, um, you know, a wild day. Obviously, the Browns played much better defensively. I, I think for a lot of the game, the offense was, was good enough, right? Um, so this is a very different feel. Same result, you know, frustration because the Browns legitimately could have won this game. You know, obviously legitimately almost put it in to overtime. Um, They they did play better, so although it feels like low bar stuff, uh, I don't think we're talking moral victory stuff, but we're also not talking fire everybody stuff. And again, we'll see how that goes. Um, You know, four game losing streak, two and five, not acceptable. Not getting it done, not acceptable. But just a strange vibe to me and and the disappointment, frustration, whatever, and we'll talk about it. Um, you know, they should have it because they they easily could have won this game or at least given themselves a chance to to send it
3: to overtime. I mean, they kind of did have it won, right? With Cooper down the sideline, the touchdown, you made the point that the official threw the flag right away and everyone jogged back to the huddle and sort of accepted it. But boy, on replay, it looked like the same type of jostling we see on almost every sideline route. Like it it looked... at best. It could go either way. Amari Cooper said that sort of after the game. He said that sort of thing goes on all the time and never gets called. Um, You know, he was annoyed with the call. I think the Browns were more upset with that than they were the false start on the snap on the field goal. But, yeah, Zach, I mean, I agree with you. We can get into all of it. But, you know, the comments that you heard as Kevin's press conference was getting ready to begin, and it seemed like it was awfully emotional and heated in the the locker room. And I'm sitting there thinking – well, I get it. They're two and five, so I understand. But I've seen way worse losses. Like this felt like something to build on. Like you said, like defensively, they got the stop they needed at the end of the game. They they turned it over. They got the turnover, which they haven't really been able to come up with this year. Um, the, the offense. Jacoby played well. You know, like he he did have the strip sack or the the fumbled strip early in the second half, but he avoided the late game interceptions that have just haunted them in every every loss really this year. Thought he put him in position to win, drove him down the field, threw a great ball to Cooper down the sideline. You think you have it won. It comes back. Um, You know, he took five sacks. But overall, it just felt like they played better and they responded a little bit to the challenge. And if it wasn't for the fact that they punted away so many games early in the year, you'd kind of leave this going, you know, tough loss. Uh, Come back and get them next week. But obviously, it feels so much worse than that. It feels like the season's over at 2-5. and It frankly feels like the season's over. And that's unfortunate because I I thought that they did play better on both sides of the ball today.
2: Well, I mean, let, let's be honest, like at two and five, you know, four straight losses and four AFC losses, it, it is pretty much over, right? Like this was your chance to get back in it today because the pack had come back to you as, as you struggled. Um, you know the reasons it's not is we know what's happening in December, and 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 that's not to say that Deshaun's going to be a hero come back and save everybody. It's just there were always going to be different phases to this season, and part of the disappointment is you had to go three and one to start, four and two to start, and now you're two and five, right? So, um, let, let let's get to what you mentioned so the game ends guys and it was a little bit abnormally long it's usually there's a 10 minute cooling off period before any locker room or press conference starts. yeah i
3: thought the same thing i thought boy this is dragging
2: on this is taking longer than usual yeah so it usually is 20 to 25 minutes it felt longer and again i don't know um i'm going through the field goal thing at the time right we're in the press room press conference room which is attached to the locker room and we hear screaming like Like there is an incident going on. I'm not saying guys are fighting. I don't hear, you know, physical crashes. I don't hear things getting thrown, but there's definitely a screaming match. There's something going on and there's a couple of voices. And then there's one voice um, after maybe 20 seconds. And I went from sitting there asking other people, did they hear this to standing up, getting as close as, as I can. And you heard there's no fucking leadership. That's what someone screamed. And I don't know who it was. I'm around this team every single day. Um, I, I can't tell you whose voice it was. It certainly was not a distinctive voice. I I and I'm not slow playing that. I couldn't even give you a guess. After that, the screaming kind of stopped, and not 30 seconds later, Stefansky came in. So because it's Stefansky and Miles Garrett addressed it, because multiple people here doing our jobs are going to write it, you know, it's it's going to be the thing. Um of course guys are frustrated, Jason, you know. Uh, And of course, they're going to let it out They're They're putting their lives on the line, frankly. And and this was a much better effort. So should we, you know, is it great that we're saying, well, at least the Browns showed up today and wanted to win? (laughs) No, but um, I just wanted to get that out there. That did happen. Of course, it's boiling over. Um, If you guys want to say, well, at least they're showing some fight. Yeah, they are. But we're not, you know, we're not here for moral victories. They're not. um, And, you know, everything really that we've been a little bit over the bizarre last three minutes, but they should have had a bigger lead early. They handed the Ravens those points on that strip sack. And it's just like, it's always something getting in the way. I mean, they won the last nine minutes, right? But they didn't win the game. So that doesn't mean anything. It's like, there's always something getting in the way of the Browns, just hitting the gas and going with it.
3: I just noticed this for the second time this year, for whatever it's worth, the opposing quarterback beat them completing less than 10 passes. Lamar Jackson, 9 to 1,620 yards through the year, and the Ravens win the game. And again, I thought the defense played well. Like, we were calling out names. You and I were calling out names that normally we call out with curse words attached to for making big plays or, you know, big stops. Tommy Togiai, Alex Wright, uh, Taven Bryant. Who am I missing? There's other guys that, like, emerged and made plays, and you felt like there was progress made on the defensive side of the ball. Now having said that, you know, the Ravens when they need it late are just picking up four yards on every play. They're keeping it on the ground and it's, it's second and six, it's third and two, it's first and 10. It's second and six, it's third and two, it's first and 10 until they came up with the, when when JOK punched the ball out and and the Browns get a big recovery there toward the end. But you you saw, you saw improvement and I don't want to turn, I agree with you. I don't want to turn into a moral victory thing, but you saw this defense. You know, I was sitting here wondering last year, New England seemed to be the turning point for this team defensively. We're way too early to call it that. But could could New England pulling their pants down on them again last week start to wake some guys up? But then you have what happened in the locker room after the game, guys screaming what they're screaming. It comes on the heels of John Johnson the third's comments this week, which you and I both you know, I said this during the game, and I said this to you mentioned it during the game. And there's there's times when guys say something and it gets it takes off in the media. And I don't think guys realize or intended for it to come out the way they did. And then there's other times where guys say something because they're delivering a message and they want it to get out. And frankly, I wasn't sure with JJ3 this week saying guys have to show more commitment and, you know, you can't run out of the building when when you punch the clock. I It didn't strike me in the moment as anything terribly noteworthy, to be perfectly honest. And then it obviously blew up in the media. And the only reason I bring it up now is because. A I couldn't find him after the game. He got out of there pretty quick post game. And B the comments that you 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 uh mentioned about there's no leadership. And so is one tied to the other, I don't know, but when JJ3 says what he says and you know, 3 days later, 4 days later, whatever it is, you've got guys screaming at each other in the locker room that there's no leadership. I, I've wondered that as well, Zach, especially defensively. I've wondered who's the defensive leader on this team. Who's the guy that's going to put his foot in the ground and say, no more, this isn't going to happen anymore. Uh, And again, I don't want to harp too much on the defense because I thought they played better today. But it just, I, I think you said it best. It just feels like everything at this point right now is just starting to boil over with this team yet again.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, guys, in the first half, the Browns had 11 carries for 17 yards. And after the first drive, and even probably during the first drive, you know, the Ravens had a little bit of the Patriots strategy, which is dare them to throw. And this is what Stefanski goes through is we we know Nick Chubb is our best player, um, but what's open is the pass game and not the run game. And so you guys are exactly right. And we said it during the game to each other. Nick Chubb should never go 18 minutes between touches right i mean jason I, I said look at i said mark the clock in the second quarter he has eight carries he didn't get number 9 until midway through the third quarter um that's a problem the browns do believe in the pitch count they do believe in the rotation if you guys want to say that everything about this browns operation is a little bit too robotic yes but and, and I, i'm i'm promise i'm not trying to defend kevin here other than for the sake of conversation he's the play caller He's pretty good at it. And when the defense is giving you one thing, and that was David Njoku being wide open, right? Like you have to take it. You have to take it. The Browns went right at Marcus Peters all day long. Cooper didn't need to shove off. It's a great throw. He's open. He did. Like there were things there to be had. So that's the balance. And, and that's what I say when it feels when I say kind of feels like they're missing something, you know, and and the defense did fail on third down too much. And, and on that 11 play 80 yard drive, they had them third down. They gave up the 30 some yard, or I think it was maybe not even 30 yards to um, uh, Rashad Bateman. And that felt like the, that, that put the light on for the Ravens, but man, Lamar was very human today. The Browns had a great plan. The Browns got off blocks. The Browns executed, you know, the special teams are a disaster. I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I, I, I just I feel like, you know, you can there, there's just something not there that's not right um, with the operation. But I I'm, mean, I'm it should never go that long between chub carries. I know I'm rambling here. I'm just I'm laying out what I see. Jason, what, what, what do you see? What's your take on
3: that situation? Yeah, I think I said his last carry I, – I don't want to misquote this. I think his last carry was with 10 minutes left in the second quarter, and then he didn't get another carry. I, I think he caught a screen pass, but he didn't get another carry until seven minutes left in the third, I think is what it was. And we both said that that's too long. That's too long. And, and I know people want to scream about three straight passes to open the second half. Well, you throw it on first down. And if you want to argue that, okay, go ahead. You can argue that. But I think he takes a sack on first down. So now it's second and 15. Now you're screwed. You're not running on second and 15. And I think they did throw it to Chubb there. And I think he got two and that sets up third and 13. And now you're just like, this is not a team that plays well behind the sticks. Like they just, this is not an offense, particularly Joe Jacoby reset a quarterback that is equipped to get to convert second and 15, third and 12, anything like that. You're, their, their hit rate on those are, is always going to be awfully low. Um, but I'll jump ahead to the, to, to the false start on the field goal, which really, no one could get a straight answer as to what was called Harbaugh said he absolutely thought Michael Dunn moved and, and Dunn didn't move from the replays that we saw Dunn didn't move at all. And Harbaugh said he thought that the center moved the ball. I showed the replay to uh one member of the Browns who's like, that that's normal, that that's normal pre-snap stuff. Like that's not a penalty. And so that's obviously a huge call because, you know, I mean, one of the Browns players said they'd probably go for it. It's fourth and inches. If it goes against the Ravens, then you move it up five yards. The Browns probably go for it on fourth and inches. They move it back five yards. The difference between fifty six and sixty one obviously is enormous. So the Browns, for whatever reason, decide to bring it in a yard and make it 60 rather than 61. I didn't quite understand that because Kate York has the leg for 61. He's got the leg for 65. I was watching him drill from 62 in pregame. At that end of the field, and he was split the uprights on every one. But in that extra yard, does that make the difference in getting the kick blocked? Maybe. You know, the trajectory is low. Obviously, you're trying to get more into it. And the defense is a yard closer to you. So if you back it up and make it a normal 61 yard, or is it get blocked? I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, but it's all the little things. And and this franchise all year long hasn't been able to get the little things to go in their favor. And from the it's it's I'll, I'll maintain it's a questionable call that goes against you. Amari Cooper down the sideline. It's questionable at best. It goes against them. Uh, the, the field goal, you know, the false start, whoever it was that moved, if there was even movement at all with the official saw as long as they took to huddle and gather to get the call right, I told you, oh, man, I think the longer they huddle, the more it's likely it's going against the Ravens. Cause if you see a false start, boom, false start, move the back five yards. And the fact that they had to talk as long as they did, there seemed to be quite a bit of confusion on the field as well. That goes against them. And they just haven't been able, for whatever reason, this team just is not equipped to overcome any bit of adversity that they face right now. Yeah. Um, that that Um That's right. Like, I remember twice in the second quarter
2: saying to you, one was with about eight minutes left when that drive started. And I said, let's, let's track how many touches Chubb has to this point. And the other one was at the two minute warning when I said the Browns have played way too well to be losing here. Right. And obviously the Browns showed guts and poise in the last nine minutes um, to come back, to finish that drive. But, you know, Amari, and this certainly not doesn't go on him. And I wonder where this offense would be without him. He can't do that. He doesn't need to do that. He he can't do that. Like they, if they feel the need to move that kick up a yard and it's it's like these things just can't happen. They don't happen for winning teams, right? Like you, you said it, we're kind of screaming into the abyss here. Right. But it's like, Okay, the defense was much better and clearly Lamar didn't make big plays and that's great, but seven and fifteen on third down is seven or fifteen on third down and that's what keeps you alive. And you don't need to make a bunch of big ones. I mean, they just nickel and dimed them all day. And you'll take that. You'll take holding Lamar Jackson to twenty three points and Mark Andrews to zero catches, right? Uh how does that happen? That's never happened.
3: No. Mark, Mark no. Andrews
2: zero catches has never happened in a Browns game. All right, so some we got we got someone here. We got Aaron, let's bring him in here. You ready for this, Jason? Sure. All right, Aaron, you're live. Um, hit us with what you got.
4: Your take on two questions. One of them has to deal with today. One of them's a big picture question. Um, after they hit that big play to uh, Peoples Jones on the sideline, they were about—I think they were about three or four yards to the like quote-unquote target field goal line. They didn't run the ball one play after that. It, it was pass, 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 pass. I mean, they did end up running because uh scrambled, but they. I, I was just shocked. And I know that, you know, the, the Ravens were set up to stop the run and, and whatnot. But as a running team, I mean, we're the ones with Chubb and Hunt. And it's like, I think it's three weeks in a row we got rushed. I just could not believe they wouldn't just try to run the ball there, um, which is a, you know, I know it's a, a theme we've been hearing a lot over the years. My second question is this. This is a much, much heavier question. Going back to Stefanski's best, Stefanski's best year when we beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Do, do you see a product on the field that is in any way better, or is it much, much worse? And, I, and I'll step off after that.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'll am i start with the second one. Um, that year, you know, the offense just kind of slogged along, right? They ran it well. They, they clearly didn't trust the quarterback, but it kind of slogged along. And then later, it got hot. And, and they did trust the quarterback a little more. And the play action opened it up for wide open guys, right? And people said, well, they don't have Odell. They're not forcing him the ball. That was a tiny part of it, I think. I think it was just more in general getting that. But in that year, the Browns were first to make the big play. The other team was always making the dumbass penalty, the, the roughing the passer to extend the drive, the reaching out the face mask. You know after the after Chubb had already run for eighteen yards, it felt like they were a smarter, more buttoned up operation then right and and this is just like the the Chubb argument now results in process, right but again, last year that flipped, no doubt and and I think the only way we can answer this now, Jason is the organization told us, hey, we're a quarterback away from being really good, and that quarterback's not here, and that affects areas of the game that show up and don't show up. And that's affected everything about the operation and the perception of this organization going back to months and they signed up for all of it. Right. But it's also clear that they probably weren't as ready. And I think you make a great point Aaron. And I think it's obvious that the Browns are not consistently the smarter team or the more well-prepared team to handle um, outside of the early offensive scripts. You know, what's an area that they're consistently winning in? Or you're saying, wow, that always goes their way.
3: I agree with all that. The only thing I'll add is if you have better quarterback play, you've got three or four more wins this year, including probably this game. And that's not to put it on Brissett. He is what he is. We knew what he was when he got here. He wasn't equipped. He wasn't expected to handle 11 games. He was expected to handle four to six. And I don't want to keep repeating myself week to week to week, but it's, it's evident. And this, again, like good on Jacoby. His, he played, I thought he played really well today. And he didn't have the big back-breaking turnover at the end of the game like he's had most weeks. But you know, I can rattle off in almost every loss that they've had, he's had really bad interceptions at the end of games, and he's trying to make a play that, frankly, he's just not capable of making, and it's cost him games. And good quarterback play can cover a lot of bad things. It can cover an inept defense. It can cover a lot of the mistakes that we're talking about. And they've just everything else is getting exposed because they don't have that guy right now. And to the, the point about not running the ball. They were playing for six. They were playing for a touchdown after the, after the big shot, to DBJ down the sideline. Uh I think Aaron mentioned they were three yards away from the target field goal. Well, yeah, that's, but that's still a really long field goal. And, and, and they, there were not, they probably, yes, there was opportunities there where they could have run the ball. Yes. I agree with that. But I think they, and you know, the deep shot to Amari is proof they were playing for six. They're trying to go up because you don't want to, you don't want to just kick a field goal. I mean, what you saw at the end of the game was the worst-case scenario, really. You, you're not trying to kick a field goal to give the ball back to the Ravens with Justin Tucker, who has field goal range from basically anywhere on the field. They're in range for a game-winning field goal. They're trying to score six there, go up four, and force the Ravens to drive the length of the field, which I don't know how capable they are of doing that under the circumstances and the way that Lamar Jackson was playing. So I think that's why you were seeing them throw the ball. They're not playing for three. They're playing for six at that point. Yeah, guys, I like I totally get it. There
2: was a couple of situations where they they should have or could have run the ball. And as I wrote and I struggle with this, this is part of the reason we didn't come on live till 45 minutes later than we intended to is to get that out. Like you can't just run it every time. Right. And when the defense is begging you to throw, that means things are open. But like when you look at it, you would rather have the ball in Nick Chubb's hands than Jacoby Brissett's hands a thousand percent of times. And Jason, you eloquently laid it out there about how things would go other way if there was more trust and more talent at the quarterback position. That's true, but there's not. And the games have to be managed accordingly. They do. And, And what gives me pause for not just the end of this year or next week's game or today's game, but going forward is that As Aaron pointed out, we've got a pretty long track record now of of the game management shaky, right? And when you put yourself in bad positions, when you're shitty on special teams, right, when you get past happy, you, you get in bad spots. But, I mean, I would have to go back and rack my brain to say, here is an example outside the first drives of games where I felt like the Browns really gained an advantage with something tactically, right? Like. I I mean, in Carolina, he masterfully used his timeouts there in that desperate situation. But but as far as like, you know, killing the clock the way the Ravens did today. I mean, let's be honest. This only happened because Justice so fumbled. Now, did the Browns get a strip? Yes. Did the defense bend and and give up a six minute drive, but make the play? Yes, Um, that was a key where the where the defense actually finished its drive and, and got itself off the field, put the ball in the hands of the quarterback who got him down the field. They were thinking six. They were thinking we could win they had the right play calls dialed up they had the ball in the right place that's a beautiful throw a beautiful catch he pushes off right? Um, does does york make the first field goal we don't know he said he would he said he would make the second one if he doesn't get blocked like it it kind of just feels like they're not on the same page with the field goal operation when to do it if this guy's got this freaky leg why are we moving up a yard
3: yeah i agree with that I don't know. that was curious um and i did yeah. i did see something in the I was just flipping through the comments. I saw something that I think we absolutely need to address. Talking about just every little thing, not being able to overcome the little things. Well, this was kind of a big little thing. The fact, and you pointed out right away live as it happened after the block, they missed the two-minute warning. That turned out to be a huge play, and I don't understand how much how that much time could tick off on a block. And and Kevin said in post game he was trying to get that time re-added. Obviously, they didn't add it. It turned out to be. I mean, it, he kicks it at 2:09, and they stop. Why does it take 10 seconds on a block kick? I didn't understand that. Yeah. I see, they, I, I.
4: All
3: right. So I did see the ball rolling
2: there in front of us, and I did wonder. You know, the ball finally came to a rest. It, I'm guessing that the proper mechanic to officiate that is that the, it's a live ball because the Ravens could have easily picked that up, right? Or or the Browns could have come and downed it. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that's the proper mechanic and I'm guessing that it wasn't re- because when the play ends, if there's any doubt there, the play ends under two minutes, it's auto review to see the situation. So I think people's gripe is this defense. He didn't throw a fit and basically lay down on the field and make them explain to him why, and maybe he should have done that in that case. I think if I was the head coach, I probably would have done that in that case, but I
3: have a feeling that, that was the proper mechanic in that situation. It turns out to be a huge play because they'd have got the ball back with a minute left. Now, can they, is, is Brissette and this offense capable of going down and, and getting points out of that? I don't know, but I'll take a minute and no timeouts over 20 seconds and no timeouts, because if it stops it even at 201, you know, you still have one timeout, you can stop the clock twice and then, they, then it runs on third down and then you punt. So they're, they're looking at about a minute. Uh, they yeah the ball at the at
2: the you know right if, if it's a touchback yeah. and and let's be honest, there, you know that the Ravens might have been more aggressive too, right they might have. Um, sure, you don't know, but yes that that's that it's frustrating, and <clears throat> I think in scrolling through the comments and just seeing now, I think the frustration Jason is like, okay, Chubb works, okay, using both backs works, okay, like why aren't we seeing these things right like the Browns will tell you, and, and Stefanski, was a, we talked about this a lot last year. There is a pitch count. They want to save these guys. They want them healthy for the end of the year. The counter to that is like the season's freaking over, guys. Um, what are we doing? You know, I I kind of feel like there are some common sensual situations where the Browns could set numbers or targets or goals the other way rather than coming
3: off as so robotic and stubborn. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. And again, I'll go back to that, that lapse. And I'd, I'd have to look at the play-by-play, but, you know, like I said earlier in the show, it's 10 minutes, I think in the second quarter is Chubbs last carry until the seven minute mark of the third. That's 18 minutes of, of game time without yeah. Nick without Nick carrying the ball. And, and the big, the big backbreaker in that was the first series of the third quarter where they come out and like we said, they throw on first down, I think Jacoby takes a sack. Now it's second and 15. It's just not feasible at that point to to run. You've got to throw. So that first down call sets you back. And, and I mean, do you, throw, do you just run it on every first down period? You just, you just, you're going to run the ball to Nick Chubb every time on first down. Okay. I guess you can have that argument, um, but it's just, it was, that was bad circumstance there. But overall, I agree. You can't go 18 minutes without Chubb getting a carry.
2: All right. Let's take these two people in the queue and then we'll get out of here. How about that? Good. All right. John. John Boy P. Welcome to the show. John Boy. Uh,
1: thank you very much for uh, for having me on. Yeah. Um, uh, you guys hear me OK? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. Great. So I wanted to say yeah, the the drive that was really encouraging in the second half is I, I mean, I felt like the Ravens were doing what they could to minimize Chubb. You know, they're getting you know, two yard gains. But then they made that concerted effort, you know, you know, getting Chubb 10 yards, 11 yards, 11 yards, you know, then, you know, down to the 10 and then Hunt stuffs it in. It felt like, like, okay, this is promising. Um, and it's then, and then for the final drive, uh, well, not the 17 seconds, but before that, it's like every game, like whether it's the, the, the Falcons game or the Chargers game or this game, they're driving, they're right on the cusp of field goal, um, of a uh, field goal position and Chubb is out. And and I just feel like if they had Chubb in there, even if they choose to pass, you know, uh, because they they load the box, uh, there they'd have a little bit more uh, more options there. And you know, you think that they're, you know, they said that they're, you know, they they're learning or whatever, but it's like it's the same fact pattern every game at the end, and that's what's frustrating. Uh, yeah, we
2: I, I totally understand that. Um, you know, th- there are things that we don't get an answer to. <laughs> You know, uh, and it feels like that there people want an explanation as to why Nick Chubb just doesn't have a 28 carry game. I've tried to get there and say, hey, defenses are trying to make it not that way. And, you know, it, Chubb was awesome in that last drive and Hunt came in and had the last two runs and that's how they want to do it. Um, I think what they would tell you is the blueprint says to get the lead and do that, but they haven't. The deep Part of that was the defense. And again, today was one turnover that really screwed them. I mean, they let Lamar Jackson have one, one drive today. Other than that, he didn't complete 10 passes. You know, they, I, again, robotic is the thing that keeps coming back to me. They have a way of how they want to go, how they know it's supposed to go and they can't bend from that. Um, Again, there's layers. It's not just Nick Chubb gets to a magic number of carries or yards. It's not just that they get a touchdown instead of a field goal earlier, but I just see opportunities, including the ones you guys are all citing, and I get it, where they can help themselves and change the game positively, the game script, the game flow, the opportunity backs in the fourth quarter. Right. I I mean, I think I just talked myself into this, Jason. People are saying, what the hell good is saving the backs for the fourth quarter if you don't ever get to that point?
3: Yeah, we had the discussion last year about what's the point of saving them for the second half of the season if the second half of the season is meaningless. Uh, it's the same sort of concept applies. I will give you credit. You said as they got to, as Nick got him down to the goal line, you said, "Don't throw the ball, Kevin. Don't get cute." And sure enough, <laughs> they handed it they handed it to Kareem, and he scores an easy touchdown there. And the only thing I would say about the, the last drive. You know, he was asking about why is Cream in the game. Zach, I, my answer to that would be probably because they're in a throwing situation and Cream's a better pass catcher out of the backfield than Nick is. Although we've seen Nick make catches. Well, out didn't of Nick backs. run him down there?
2: Like, I mean, I think sometimes people's anger are, are, are getting to them and forgetting.
3: Well, you know? And again, I would say, like everyone is arguing that they're, they shouldn't be throwing the ball. Well, they hit the deep shot to DPJ that uh, I told you looked a lot like the deep shot against the Chargers that they threw out of bounds. And then they did complete the touchdown pass. Like, they, the drive worked. It got him exactly where they needed to go, and it got him in the end zone. It worked. Uh, it was yeah. just the unfortunate push-off called on on Amari, which I want to go back and look and see how many times he's been called for OPI in his career because I bet you it's not very many. All right. So,
2: um, the other person in the queue left. Um, again, this, this is what we've been doing for the Civilized Barking postgame podcast. We appreciate the interactions. We had, I think, almost 150. 50 of you. At one point, we had a couple people come in and ask questions. I think we've said we can say my story's up now. Uh, Jason, I know you're writing one and going back to the airport here. So Um, frustration and I get it. We'll see how they pick themselves off the mat. At this point, it's not really about standings or 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 holding out hope um, for December and some miraculous playoff run. Right. It's about gauging this operation. Seeing if they can turn the tables and be the team that's that's tactically you know being the aggressor and and the smarter team, and you know if if what happened in the locker room after the game was really more than thirty seconds of guys screaming at each other, and we have no reason to believe that it was you know with John Johnson's comments with the losing streak with the fact that the guys in charge signed up for all of this drama that's been on the outside and is coming back in six weeks, how do they hold it together? A lot of questions uh. I mean, they're two and five. They're not a boring two and five. (laughs) They are not. (laughs) Nothing boring about Berea. All right, guys and girls, thank you. Uh, We appreciate it. The stories will be up. Uh, Mine is. Jason's will be up later. Um, And we'll be back with a regular, uh, maybe a little bit different than a regular work week this week because of the Monday night game. But it's a big game. um, And certainly there's a lot to uh, sift through and we will do that. So thank you guys for jumping on this live room as part of the Civilized Barking Podcast.